0: Well, we're not the only ones taking advantage of the new USMCA. South of the border, they have their own infrastructure projects they're putting together. We have a guest today, Jesus Diaz, that will talk to us a lot about what's going on with our friends south of the border. That and the KCS and the CP are putting together a blockbuster deal, twenty-nine billion dollars, to combine forces to turn themselves into a behemoth in several business sectors in North America. Mi nombre es Chris. Bienvenido eight jazz bites again everybody to another edition of JAWS Bites, sponsored by iLevelLogistics.com. That's www.iLevelLogistics.com. Go to that for your aggregated news and information in terms of everything transportation supply chain. We're starting a community of a conversation if you will to mainstream and identify places in the supply chain that we all can get better at. Both from a professional standpoint and from an everyday standpoint, and understanding the connection between supply chain, transportation, logistics worldwide, and how consumers have a necessary ingredient and part of, part to play in that in that uh, in that supply chain. Now, today we're welcoming in a, a spe- very special guest. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on south of the border and the USMCA that was put into place back in two thousand nineteen with the Trump administration to replace NAFTA really created a lot of new uh, developing infrastructural components to both Canada, U.S., and Mexico. And uh, today we have an absolute expert on that, somebody that I've known for 20-plus years, a gentleman named Jesus Diaz, who has a tremendous history uh, with uh, manufacturers south of the border, was probably best known as one of the very first people in a Sony factory down in Tijuana, Mexico, and developed a lot of strategies around the logistics that they put together to get their finished products to market in the United States. He, since then, turned to a more entrepreneurial direction, created his own warehousing and trucking projects, and continues to this day Um, with a family company to develop strategies to both uh, continue to infiltrate markets further south with Mexico, Mexico, intra-Mexico shipments, and to be an absolute expert and somebody that I can lean on for advice all the time for strategies about moving product from Mexico into the United States. So I wanted to welcome Jesus Diaz. But, uh, you know, welcome again, Jesus. I appreciate you spending a few minutes uh, with me today to kind of just go over some of the happenings in Mexico. And I, I just have a few questions for you and a few comments that, that I'm going to make. And maybe you can kind of fill in some of the blanks for me because, I mean, how long have we known each other? Since midnight, late 90s? Some. 30 yeah. years. Well, let's put it this way: I had hair, and your beard was black. <laughs> and, and
1: I weighed uh, 195 pounds. <laughs> oh, God.
0: well, hey, I've got you. I got you at that spot now. <laughs> but uh, in any event, I, I wanted to spend a little time today, just kind of talking about how. You know, the, the the advent of the new USMCA, the United States, Mexico, Canada agreement, you know, replacing that 25-year NAFTA agreement, you know, a, a lot of people look at it in, in many different ways and say, okay, this is going to affect the United States positively or Mexico negatively or Canada positively, or who knows how they look at it. But what ends up happening is all of us that are in the transportation world start finding ways to make new connections with these agreements and some of the things that you and I met uh, a few days about and talked about in terms of some of the infrastructure things going on in Mexico, I find a lot of interest in that. Now, I, I know you shot me a quick video and it was all in Spanish and I know enough Spanish to order beer and find the bathroom is basically my my repertoire, but, but, uh, but overall I mean, first of all, if you could, I mean, Jesus Diaz, I think we we met first when you were kind of employee number one at Sony, right? Yeah, and, uh, and, yeah, yeah, but you did a lot for them in terms of kind of transforming their uh, outbound finished goods logistics. I don't know if you were involved so much in the inbound raw materials. Maybe you were too, but I know you went from a position at a company a, Very large factory in Mexico, kind of the primary logistics person to really an entrepreneurial bent. You know, you started your own warehousing company and your transportation cross-border company and intra-Mexico company. So you've done a lot in the years I've known you. So I appreciate you coming on and spending a little time with us. If you want to just, you know, if you could give us a little background other than what I've just spilled out. And uh, then we'll just have a couple Q&As and we'll go from there.
1: Well, basically, I'm a Mexico native. I'm from Tijuana. Uh, my parents brought me to, to the States and uh, kept studying in uh, Mexico. I graduated in, uh, in uh, Tecnológico de Tijuana, which is a technical school on, uh, as an industrial engineer and uh, specialized in electronics. And then uh, after that, I started uh, operations in Sony. Mm-hmm. Basically, all my professional life started from the bottom. Uh, I'm talking operator, line operator, all the way to being responsible of the operations in, in Mexico on the manufacturing side. Responsibly working on the manufacturing side for 15 years. And in my last five, seven years, total probably 30 years and sony working on the logistics area which i found very very interesting mm-hmm. uh, whole new world for me uh, so you transferred from
0: the engineering side with them to the logistics yes very good
1: uh was responsible for manufacturing uh, manufacturing operations and i had uh, that uh, engineering departments and the material departments uh internal uh, from the factory uh have the responsibility of the productions uh, of sony mexico uh, as a director and then i moved the uh, and took the responsibility of the logistics as i mentioned as a director of logistics in, in the mexico operations uh our uh, long-term view we wanted to develop the sony Uh, logistics of Latin America. Uh, We started uh, first separating from the manufacturing as an independent logistics provider for the manufacturing plants in Mexico, which was one in uh, Mexicali and the other one on Monterrey, which we achieved that. Our next step was to cover all uh, Central and South America. uh, So so
0: you you really broadened their scope from when you were down there. So what made you decide at some point to, to say, you know what, I, I really want to try to do some things myself?
1: Uh, when it uh, became the opportunity, uh, overall Sony was downsizing and uh, they really uh, were struggling in the market and they offered this uh, golden handshake uh, uh, retirement for retirement yeah. or management. And uh, well, I said it, it was time uh, to do try something. And uh, since I fell in love on the logistics area, I so said I'll start starting working on on uh, warehousing, making a distribution and right. small operations in Otai U.S. Right. And we expanded expanded to Mexico, and. Uh, Developed our own transportation, local transportation here in California, and northern Baja California, uh, servicing uh, the industry. Uh, and yeah. the industry, as you know, has been growing and growing in this area.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And yeah, again, that's- I, I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us today. And, uh, you know, this the kind of one of the goals I have for doing this, Jesus, is to really, you know, open up some eyes in the transportation community for more than just the narrow scope of what most, you know, some professional will work for an intermodal company or they'll work for an OTR company or they'll work for a port company or ocean company, but they don't have a view of kind of a bigger picture. Putting your, people like yourself um, with me on these interview kind of things gives people the, uh, the understanding that sometimes the picture is larger than they really think. And, you know, a couple of things you and I talked about really got me thinking about how, you know, the United States is going through this um, political battle about this new potential infrastructure plan. You know, it's a huge couple trillion dollars. And, you know, I know that if you if, if matter of fact, one of my previous podcasts, I went into how it really is only a a very sliver of it is the kind of infrastructure you and I would talk about in terms of transportation. But when you and I talked, you were talking specifically about some things going on um, the, you know, the uh, interocean corridor or inter inter interoceana corridor, I think is what you call it. Mm -hmm. And how that, and also the TMEC corridor are, are kind of becoming a real prominent thing in Mexico. Can you describe kind of what's going on with both of those a little bit?
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, there's these two particular uh, major projects on uh, the logistics area uh, between uh, Canada, uh, U.S., and Mexico after uh, that uh, change of NAFTA to the TMAC, uh, which is a new trade agreement between Mexico, uh, United States, and, and Canada. Uh, they have a mega project. Their project they're looking at is building a corridor from Mazatlán, Sinaloa, all the way to uh, Winnipeg, uh, Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, this has been put on the table in the last two years. It has been blessed by the governments. Uh, uh, The last time that uh, three countries got together, they touched this uh, uh, issue, and they really... uh, they they presented a support to this major project because there is a need mm-hmm. to solve the issues they have on the logistics on the growth of the international trade. It's something right. they they need to have. It's not mm-hmm. kind of an option in order to support all these new agreements on the international uh, business trade.
0: Well, I think and, you said and- it. You said it the other day when we were talking. It's not like the no, no matter how the agreements change, it's not like the trade um between the United States, Mexico, and Canada is going away anytime soon. It's here to stay. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yes. And and that's that's nothing like uh saying that we're thinking about it or is a might be a good solution, is it's already started. Mm-hmm. And they started uh, with a major project of developing a uh, aerospace uh, industrial park, where it's going to be the largest port in Latin America. Besides, number one is going to be, of course, we know Long Beach, and this will be the second largest in Latin America port.
0: No, is this, uh, this Mazatlan you're talking about?
1: The mass land, yes. That port is going to be developed. They started already the aerospace, uh, which I believe is uh, 193 hectares, which is uh, about 400, 400 acres uh, park development on just just dedicated to aerospace uh, uh, development industry. Uh, already investors are starting and doing building also the pro- uh, project for the port already started Uh, the first year, I believe they're uh, planning this year to, they already started developing the port. And by 2024, uh, they're gonna be having the capacity of uh, one to 2 million TUs. And then um, they're gonna go through the years, 2026, they have a specific plan of increasing the number of TEUs that's going to be, uh, the final goal, I believe is going to go to 8 million uh, wow. TEUs. Uh,
0: port well, Mazatlan is, it's not that far away from the Panama connection, right? So you've got kind of two things happening at the same time. You've got kind of this competitive thing going on with Panama in a way, but also the TMAC agreement you're talking about as well. Are those interconnected or are there two separate projects? There, how, is, how does that work?
1: There's, there's two separate projects. The one that I've been talking about is the TMAC. There's a corridor that's going to go from Mazatlan all the way to Canada. And the other major project is going to be on the Itzmo, uh between Oaxaca, which is Salinas Cruz, which already existed that port mm-hmm. through Veracruz which is one of the largest ports in Mexico they're mm-hmm. developing those two ports in between That is going to be a straight competition to uh, Canal of Panama right. uh, that's, that's going to be a big increase of the industry around this rail corridor from Pacific to Pacific interoceanic uh, connection basically
0: Actually, I think that corridor right there between those two ports you're talking about is is less distance than the Panama connection. We're very yes. similar.
1: And and time-wise, that's yeah. the most important. Uh, time-wise, besides the rail, which is going to be the main uh, transportation mode, uh, it's going to be uh, new highways to support the over-the-road uh, uh, articles too.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, They have already started uh, industrial parks all along the way of this corridor, which uh, is going to be a lot of investments from different countries. But mainly uh, the trade that is done from the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean to South America and North America is going to be a a big time savings on, on, on this. And, you know, time is money.
0: Well, you think about the timing on this. Kind of stuff, too, because the, the little article you sent me to look at a little video you sent about that transoceanic thing was talking about March of this year. You know, so a lot of this stuff is very much deep into process. And of course, the time, you know, with what happened in the Suez Canal recently with that that ship getting. Yeah everybody's looking at Panama going uh how safe is Panama Canal with this kind of stuff which is a lot different kind of canal yes. of course but still having a having this this new you know uh, cross continent connecting the thing that's going to be huge
1: yes basically uh project uh, as of uh end of march is uh, 34% overall project completing. Uh, meaning the railroad up upgrade, the new uh, sections of railroad, railroad, and also the upgrade of both ports. Mm-hmm. Uh, the overall project already thirty uh, percent. They're forecast to have finished everything by two
0: thousand twenty-two. Wow, that's that's going to be fantastic, and, and it goes re- in, interestingly. You keep calling the the one project the TMAC. so TMAC. that. That's the um, Mexico version of USMCA, right? It's it's the same yeah. thing we're talking the agreement. And if I remember right, it's it starts in Mazatlan, but then it goes to Durango and Monterey before it gets to Laredo, Dallas, Tulsa, and then I think eventually Winnipeg. And I yeah. was was looking at a couple of maps uh, that that I'll I'll put online here for everybody to see as well. I was looking at a couple of maps, and it it really keys in on some of the industries around. Um, uh, automotive in particular, you know, automotive is such a huge thing that you know that there. I mean, everybody from Nissan to Ford to Audi to VW to GM to Chrysler—they all have plants of some kind for their production scattered all over Mexico. Whether it's you know uh, San Luis Potosí or, or uh, places like that, and those are all going to be connected to go up into North America and all the way to Canada, depending. If, Energy as well, things like that. So, is that what you're seeing too? Uh,
1: basically, not only on the uh, U.S. side, but on the Mexico side, already having, uh, for example, Ford uh, putting the strategic new location that they're uh, having on their manufacturing in Mexico is going to be next door to this this new corridor, uh, which is going to be connecting on raw material supplies from different vendors on the U.S. To the manufacturing plants to that area uh, around Masatlán, specifically at Mosillo, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be definitely automotive mm-hmm. industry. Uh, uh, excellent conne- connections on on logistics with this new project.
0: Yeah, I I think it's amazing because I, I know in the you know I've dealt a little bit with with freight going into and out of places like Silao and you know, Mexico City and, you know, Queretaro, things like that. But it's been, you know, it's it, it's very interesting because a lot of the railheads, San Luis, Porosí, Silao, things like that, you would have these contingent plans to go all the way to Laredo via some over-the-road, you know, component to get to where you're going or come from. And while that still is going to be part of things, I'm sure – Having these infrastructure programs is just going to make things so much more efficient. And I would imagine even crossing the border will be easier for those that don't have to necessarily clear customs, except while in transit things. It's just going to be way more efficient, I would think.
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, one of the plans that Mexico has on on this project is to the exact what you mentioned. This corridor in Mexico is going to have railroad connection to 10 different states in Mexico, uh, which some parts are already there uh, that is going to be connected and some parts are going to build it. But the plan is to all different ten states in Mexico to supply either raw materials or finished goods to the industry.
0: Are they leaving Baja hanging out by themselves?
1: Uh, as, as, as So right now, yes, because okay. the Baja is very high, if, talking about Ensenada, and if, if you look at it, uh, they're kind of a, as a mini comparison, what, what they're developing right now, right. because right. Ensenada, basically California, and well, Long think- Beach to Baja, and that's it, but this one is you're talking about from the Pacific side, mm-hmm. and Mazatlán, all the way to Canada. Central Canada, all central Canada is going to be the distribution from there. There's
0: there's just so much. I mean, Mexico is the number one trading partner of the United States. It has a very long time and will continue to be, I assume, uh, for a very long time. So these kind of connections are hugely important to all of us on both sides, on every side of every border. Uh, Even Canada, its distribution network for a lot of the materials coming out or a lot of the finished goods coming out of Mexico is going to be huge. Winnipeg is an interesting Uh, place to go, but this whole thing corresponds with what's going on with the CP railroad and the KCS railroad, because there's about a 20, I think it's $29 uh, $29 billion uh, uh, purchase that's occurring. The CP is purchasing the KCS or is trying to get clearance by the the surface transportation board to do that. And that's kind of the final nudge with what exactly you're talking about. That's because that's a component of the whole thing. They 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 are really just trying to connect a north south corridor that's going to be just as expansive as the east west one from port to port in the United States. I think it's huge. And now the the other thing and, and maybe the final thing we can talk about for a little bit because you know you know me and you we could probably go on forever about these things and get into the weeds and everybody watching or listening would go okay that's enough information. <laughs> you know, it's, but. But you had had mentioned a couple of very interesting things in terms of some of the ways that the new markets, the online markets are driving some of the methods of doing business on less than truckload transportation from plants in Mexico to to US points, but also intra-Mexico points as well, as far as... How how people are breaking up their shipments in the segments and doing direct distribution? Could you go into that a little bit, or are you do you have an NDA you can't talk about that, or what? I... <laughs> no,
1: no. Uh, basically, this uh, changes on the international trade laws uh, between uh, U.S. and Mexico, and uh, based on what we have seen and live all this pandemic period that is teaching us to do uh, business a different way, where uh, actually everything is going directly from manufacturing plants to the end consumer, and and, uh, that's the e-commerce. And then in order to promote uh, a better international trade on the e-commerce side, um, Mexico has developed some rules as far as exporting uh, their materials in, in uh, regards for the tariffs, where if they you export a product and document it less than eight hundred dollars mm-hmm. per item, uh, it's going to be no taxes on them. It's going to be basically you don't have to pay any tariffs getting out of Mexico.
0: So that's almost like uh, so is so that's avoiding the the Mexico VAT tax. Is that what it's doing, or is it yes? In, in yes. is it is per item or per PO, I would imagine, right? Per PO. Per PO. Okay.
1: Per
0: PO. Well, or effect, however you want to couch it. So that yes. that is see that's to me is a game changer, especially for the less than truckload environment that's out there, because folks like yourself and and I who have done a lot of transloading over the years, you know, we we have always looked at things to move them in full truckload shipments, cross border and then create a deconsoled and reconcile kind of process on the U S side. But if a lot of that can be done in Mexico, geez, it's, it's again, you know, we're talking, you know, the supply chain, I I know I'm going off the rail a little bit here, but the supply chain in general has a lot of links to it. And a lot of them, when you look at it, have very robust, solid links. And some of them are kind of, kind of weak at times. And, and, Mm -hmm. And one of those things is is the delay in distribution from manufacturing a finished good to you and I as a consumer buying it on whatever online resource we use. And I, nobody has any desire to wait for anything anymore. And this is just to provide a much more robust supply chain to get those products to the end user and an incentive financially for both the the Mexican manufacturer to do it and the U.S. consumer to pay for getting it done that way.
1: And uh, all of this uh, already, uh, people started uh, uh, getting advantage of these new rules, regulations. Uh, Very few people knows about it. Uh, Very few people is taking advantage of it. But it can be a huge thing as far as making business between the two countries and doing direct distributions. Uh, basically the mapping or the logistics flow that they're using is bringing some subassemble subassembly, sub-assembly uh, product to Mexico, uh, finish it here, label it with a FedEx or UPS tag and ship it directly from
0: here. Right. Right?
1: No tax.
0: That's that's well. Sooner or later, somebody's going to pay for all these different things, and it goes down to the consumer. But the point is, is that if you want to make the supply chain more fluid and dynamic, this is one of the great ways to do it. And and the the new USMCA, or or as you called it, I forget TMAC, right? That that, that agreement allowed you to do a lot of these kinds of things. But I think, you know, the three things we went over, the, the inner Oceana, am I saying that right? Is inner Oceana uh, corridor? Yes. That and the, the TMAC corridor from, from Mazatland all the way up to Winnipeg and the CP-KCS combination. And then this, this dynamic proposal to, to ship in smaller increments to avoid certain taxations. It's almost like you're creating a massive free trade zone outside yes. of us. That. So that's
1: fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's a good uh, way to look at it. It's a, it's a massive uh, uh, free trade zone that you're going to be moving the merchandises from one point to another point without, you know, paying all these duties.
0: Right. Well, I hope it's okay, Jesus, because I, I would really like to, and I'm sure I'm going to get plenty of comments on, on, online with this, this yeah. podcast, But I would love to pick your brain from time to time and bring you on and get your perspective on things that are going on. And I know you have a perspective outside of Mexico as well. But I think that another thing we talked about, we'll save for another day, but you were talking about how dynamic intra-Mexico is becoming in the distribution into Mexico. Maybe next time we get together, we can chat a little bit about that and, and fill the audience in on some of those kinds of things.
1: Yes, and uh, basically anybody that's uh, interested in more details, we can provide them information, more technical information on uh, these new projects and also this new way of making the business on less than a truckloads.
0: Right, and, and for everyone out there, I'll put a little link to um, a, some contact information for Jesus or one of his team, depending on, on what he would like, and and again Jesus, say thank you very very much for for coming aboard with iLevelLogistics.com com and, and sharing some of your insight with this and I look forward to the next time that we can get together and, and do this appreciate it and make, right. put some, yeah. some subtitles in there to uh, to to make sure that that our spanish speaking friends can can uh, <laughs> watch this as well okay all right
1: Gracias.
0: Hey there, don't forget to check us out on YouTube, our channel there, any of the social media platforms, and of course our audio podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you catch your podcast. Looking forward to seeing you soon.